humans tend to mimic each other uh, to gain like leverage or like a clear advantage should we talk about what we think is the biggest trend of yeah. 2023 i'm super excited <laughs> the supermarket is going back to opening in person checkout counters Welcome to Off Unexpectedly, a podcast where we discuss design and things we stumble upon often unexpectedly. I am Sushant, an industrial designer based in Seattle. I'm Gokul Bida, an industrial and interaction designer based in the Bay Area. And today we're going to talk about trends, everything about uh, recessions, layoffs, and the uncertainty all around. And also uh, just the global trends, what we left behind. and what we're going to get into over the next few years we're going to break down all these shifts that are happening with a look towards the future um i want to begin by sort of looking into what trends are yesterday gokul you mentioned something really interesting as to yeah. why trends happen yeah so this is something i came across during my research class when we were trying to do research for a specific project um we were looking at trends like the topic of the podcast and i started to question like why do trends happen and where do these trends emerge from like wh- why do they even come up uh, in our society and say usually behind a trend there's a behavioral change and when you try to relate that behavioral change to why it happened so like if you go back another why it's usually like uh, it's something to do with pain so like once you have like when people feel pain or discomfort they try to change things and that's how trends come so few of them like gain traction and like go on to impact multiple domains but hmm. it almost so, made me think that yeah go ahead. are we, are we talking emotional pain yeah i think it's emotional and physical like based uh, it, but it just comes from a cause of discomfort i don't uh, for example uh, i would say the 2008 recession was was a mix of both but mainly like a mental toll on millennials and that discomfort like until then maximalism was like ruling Britney Spears and all the the kind of fashion and everything they were wearing but after that the rise of minimalism and you know less materialistic and experiences over objects was a thing and that came from the discomfort of the 2008 recession and, um, and do you do you think there's uh societal need for expression as well which sort of gets clubbed into this this whole idea of trend building when you want to express to the world and you don't have uh, let's say everyone else doing the same thing do you feel like there's there's a need to stand out or do you think there's a need to blend in basically what i'm trying to say is like when we talk about uh acting on that pain do people try to rebel against it or do people try to find their own community or their own tribe yeah i think it's usually a mix of uh, two things i was i was reading the book on like how to forecast trends and there they mentioned people who are making the trends are not even aware that they're making a trend but like how you said they are trying to validate that pain through like expression like you know they they had a discomfort whether it's how like retail is happening or like how certain product is being sold or just how wellness is being sold to you different it could be different things and then they start something new just because they it's like a reactory measure to what's what the pain they're feeling um and and it's usually these early adopters that sort of make it a trend or a fad so like until and unless the early adopter comes in like it like it can't really become a, a, a trend so usually the early adopters are people like who'll sort of like validate that if that's like a pain being felt by a lot of people uh, or if it's like a very niche so based on that if it's if it's felt by community at large then they go on to become like game changing trends but if it's something like a niche community is having probably again it's you won't know until you go deep down reddit that uh there's a niche community uh, that people have built around that pain yeah that's very interesting like even today's example of what pain is we have to talk about layoffs so many people being laid off from the tech world 
um, close to I think it's it's above hundred thousand people now in the last year itself from companies like Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and whatnot. Um, I I think like just going back a decade or a decade or two decades ago, the the openness in talking about layoffs just wasn't there. A lot of people would feel embarrassed that they were laid off. I think when the recession happened, then of course everybody kind of knew that this is the reality. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I mean, half the world was, or let's say half the America was laid off, uh, or you know they found themselves in a position where they um, just didn't have a job or companies to to really go back to. Uh, and I think over the last decade, it it has taught people that talking about the real hard things is important. And I feel over the last decade, the trend of uh, uh, talking more about work, talking more about the hard failures has become uh, almost a uh, very acceptable sort of thing, right? I, I kind of want to go back to India as well, a culture where profession and career is sort of at the peak of anyone's, uh, any family's uh, goal for their kid, right? And mm-hmm. even for the kids, like they're, they're, through their education, they're brought up in the mindset that they have to work and they have to do something. Um, and that's where if you talk about failure, if you talk about being laid off from work, it's looked down upon. It's actually embarrassing that somebody got laid off from work. But over the last decade, it feels like, um, yeah, it feels like everybody is open to talk about work. What I don't like about this is how people talk about it on LinkedIn. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, what you said before kind of build, builds up to what you're feeling right now. Like, let's look, let's take a step back and look at this way. But what you were previously citing is, from the past few years, this is actually like since before COVID, being more informal and candid um, has been like building up, whether it's in a formal setting, like through emails or LinkedIn, or even on like Instagram with, you know, small, tiny trends like photo dump and things like that, like less curation, being more informal, being more candid. I'd say like authentic was probably the appropriate word for all of it. Um, so that is kind of gaining traction uh, in all aspects of life. And when it comes to LinkedIn, uh, I'm sure that it's a much more nuanced discussion of like why few companies are laying off, why few are not, but we don't want to get in. But what we are looking at is few people kind of reacting to the layoffs um, in a very, um, in a very like, not, not, I would, I don't want to say non-bothered, but like in a very gracious way, so like more power to them. But there are, there are still few people who are feeling that's sort of like unfiltered. Of course, if you have stayed 16 years in a big tech company and you know you, your stocks have vested, that's a different story. You're probably more comfortable and more grateful for the opportunity the company has given. But if you're someone who was just recently hired, and especially an immigrant on H1B, worst case, you're on OPT. Yeah. Uh, it's a different story, right? And someone kind of being very gracious, um, I, I'm sure there are exceptions, but there is a certain number that goes beyond it. And that's what I feel few people are not ready to uh I wouldn't, I wouldn't say accept, but like, they're not comfortable with like, Hey, like if some company is laying you off, be truthful, be honest, like put your feelings out there and like yeah. go ask for that next job. Like, don't try to be so uh, forgiving and gracious to a company, which for, for them, you were just a number or like bottom line. So, yeah, I, I'd agree with that hundred percent. And in fact, when you actually have conversations with these, these people, they'll be a lot more honest and, and talk about how um, disrespected it feels to be let go when 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 a cut like this happens and how um, scary it is actually to now figure out a job in the next two, two months uh, if you're on an uh, H-1B visa or whatever visa. Um, I, I want to say that this is almost like two things clashing. One is the expected behavior on LinkedIn, which is to be nice and and cushy and very friendly and very sort of like rounded out version of you. You know, there is no, you have to filter out and edit a lot of things. It's the edited version. Mm -hmm. But the actual feeling of being let go is, is really hard. I can, I cannot even imagine what it feels like. I'm sure if it happened to me, I'd be furious and I'm sure these guys are furious as well. But that anger and the post itself or like how it reflect or what they do after that just doesn't 
I don't know. There's it feels like yeah. a mismatch. It feels so odd to see someone just you know laid off after six months and still like thanking people for the time and the opportunity. Yes, I I know you're like grateful about the opportunity, but man, this sucks, right? Yeah, uh, I agree with the contradiction. It almost makes me think, like taking a step back, asking like, why are people wanting you to be authentic? Like, why do why are people almost sort of like asking you to like follow this trend of being authentic do you have any comments on it it just feels like linkedin has this unsaid uh way of writing sort of like how reddit has reddit has this you know this contract that you sign that social you contract. have to <laughs> yeah it's sort of like a social contract <laughs> that everybody behaves this way so you have to behave that way uh i think linkedin is kind of like that like and that's also a big reason that a lot of people are repulsed by it, especially younger professionals who just be like why is everybody so boring on linkedin so i think it's 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 one part is that like there is a format to linkedin that everybody is feeding into it's almost like a trend that people are following because yeah. people are, have been nice about layoffs and now you don't want to be the one that goes and says you know this this company is crap i i did not expect this i don't know what to do with my life that you know yeah. that's the, a is that and b i think it's they don't want themselves to 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 the first it's it, first it's already vulnerable enough or the, the 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 fact that they're putting out such a big piece of their information which wasn't the norm like i discussed like you know 20 years ago and mm-hmm. second like it they feel that people are going to uh ask questions about their own uh, gratefulness or their own uh, uh i guess motivations to do a job like if you know like if somebody comes off as very ungrateful and angry and and you know which honestly should be the case but uh <laughs> if they come off like that there's going to be a repercussion people will see them a different way so there is this yeah. need to follow a trend or sort of like yeah. edited for the most part yeah that makes reminds me of something uh like asking the question why do you need to follow a trend whether it's being authentic non authentic like being non authentic is still kind of trend but it could be a trend fading away but it's still a trend uh but um when we ask ourselves the question of like why why does someone need to follow something i came across this really uh interesting uh thing from like charles darwin's work it's called like meme gene um the meme gene y- yeah uh it's it it i think the bottom line it goes something like humans tend to mimic each other uh to gain like leverage or like a clear advantage uh so it almost makes me question like is that why you would follow a trend like say again going back to that instagram photo dump right i don't even know when it started but it was the it thing and then it just like picked on uh, so yeah like when people say photo dump from last week and they put like random pictures for yeah, yeah. on on one post yeah <laughs> and As then like you, it's sort of like a window vignette to their lives right like an unedited unfiltered just here's what mm-hmm. happened yeah and and i started doing that because again like to gain a clear advantage to tell again like hey i'm hip or to, you know to, to sort of increase my social capital or whatever the benefits that comes with following a trend um and again probably there's a trend on each platform like linkedin might have its own which kind of goes back to the social con- uh, contract we were talking about reddit might like reddit is like giving the most authentic and helpful reply as a comment so you get upvoted and the comment is there so you sort of become this like trusted entity or op is that what uh, <laughs> i don't want to sound <laughs> like an old man uh, so uh, it, it, yeah that's like really interesting is questioning ourselves like why do humans even follow trends but what what do you think what is your view on like why do people follow trends to to fit in and to not be weird i think one of the big things i think we were talking about this yesterday the idea of being weird is weird <laughs> and whatever is normal or the idea of normal like if multiple people are doing it that makes it normal uh people want to do that right so and like you said you know there is the first movers don't even know when they're starting something which might be out of rebellion might be out of pain or might be out of just expression need for expression um there 
they're starting something new and then as the group goes b- bigger and bigger that becomes a trend only because it feels like a normal thing to do uh and normal is also in the eyes of the beholder right normal do- no not everybody will agree and say that this is normal yeah. like you know yeah i think like when we say a trend um it's nice to set context is um a trend doesn't have to be like a movement accepted by 7 billion people in the world it could be as niche as 90 million people or 10 million people or even one here's here's the things that i don't like about trends that go too big right one everyone picks up that trend everyone starts doing it and then we reach a state of saturation right um forget about aligning with the trend or not it's more like everybody is doing it and it just feels so um so overpowering to my brain like every piece of content is that every piece of information is that wherever you go it's that same style of things and there's a few things like even the lingo for example when a lingo picks up like mm-hmm. currently like when you look at the you know the 2000 kids the lingo those guys are using uh whether i'm aligned with it or not is not the question but the fact that it's it's really out there in everything brands are trying to do that celebrities are trying to say those things songs have that that just like leads to oversaturation yeah i think this just made me go back to the framework you people usually have it's called the innovation adoption curve or something it's like again like we discussed early adopters early majority and late majority you can say the same for trend as well there there a bunch of early adopters and then the whole market like swoops in and then there's like a late majority it so when we take a step back from even like early adopters and go back to the inventors right there's someone who start the trend with a particular meaning and a trend has this powerful message um a good assumption to make is probably as it goes uh, along the adoption curve like the message kind of gets diluted uh by the time it reaches the late majority uh yeah like yeah sort of has become boring if that makes w- sense would you say do you remember the uh was it the ice bucket challenge yeah do you remember that <laughs> <laughs> do you think it would work if we started it right now? <laughs> uh yeah, for like if you do an ice bucket challenge for climate change maybe yes because that's in trend. I mean, I again like I I support a lot of these things. The question is not what whether I'm aligned with these or not, but the fact that it's become uh on every, it's come on everybody's radar, right? So climate change for example, the fact that uh it's a word that everybody wants to use. There's brands and companies trying to use that to their advantage right that's what we began yeah. with like everybody's trying to jump onto this for their advantage yeah um, that's almost interesting because um i read on this frog report that uh, how like a climate activist is now a climate routinist you know uh they're more active in it, it, it's it's that like eco warrior to cla- cla- casual climate routinist mm. that means it's part of your daily life yeah. so like eco warrior were probably the early adopters and now i think uh climate has come to its peak stage where it's like a given like uh like we were working on a project and like when we were talking about sustainability with the clients we were kind of suggesting that like don't address climate change as your advantage of being sustainable because mm. that's a given that's like the yeah. new norm that's the baseline uh, yeah so i i think probably like couple of years uh, down the line you'd probably need to be like a more nuanced climate routinist like probably live up to your word and may when you're not i think that's when you start like hating the trend like right now we do greenwashing right i think yeah that's the trend we hate that has uh, come from like the sustainability trend So yeah, I think I, the message gets diluted and you start to hate the trend. 100%. I I also want to say that nobody wants to be like left out or nobody wants to be looked at as weird and that's the same with companies and brands. If everybody around you is talking about climate change, brands don't want to be the weird ones to not do it, right? <laughs> but they don't know how to do it. Like but they don't know how to actually help and support these these ventures and these uh you know these uh missions 
So what they do is, like you mentioned, greenwashing. They'll use the word or they'll they'll uh, put it half-baked into their copywriting, into their <laughs> packaging, but the actual meat of the problem is still there. But this mm-hmm. saves them from being weird because, yes, they're saying the right things. Yeah, you know? but I, I think the problem also lies in how you interpret a trend. Um, like, for example, sustainability for a travel company might mean something way different what su- what sustainability means for a cosmetic company uh and like when you try to literally interpret or just do what other people are doing obviously you're going yeah. to greenwash <laughs> or you're going to be like hey like we have new eco packaging but like our bl- our bottles are still like plastic and things like that yeah. so if there is a trend ask yourself what the human behavior is, which is people are just not comfortable with the fact that consumers are the reasons that plastic uh, yeah. like exists. So, you know, we are supporting that behavior. Okay, like consumers have accepted that, though it's not true. Um, yeah. And now you can't make them feel like even more uh, uncomfortable and like cheated. Uh, the real way to it is like, the real way to look at it is if that customer is part of, your customer base, like what is the most meaningful, impactful thing you can do in terms of sustainability? Uh, not like what Uber does is like, if you take some, I, I'm not, I could be wrong. It's like, if you take the e-Uber option, like the, the green, Uber option, the green, the yeah, green like card, it'll, yeah. it'll the one with the leaf. or something. Yeah. What? It does? Yeah. I saw, I saw an advert near like AMC here, but it had something to do with like carbon offsetting when you, choose that option and i'm like is that theoretically or like literally planetary i'm not sure because uh, again that's <laughs> like a whole another thing where like companies just like buy forests mm, and yeah, like write it yeah. off as carbon like don't want to get into that but <laughs> coming back to the topic like know how to interpret it like probably if you're an id brand maybe it could be changing your cmf but probably it's not but maybe it could be in terms of uh, repairability again you get to make that choice what is most meaningful for your consumer probably if you're a speaker brand repairability will be on the forefront but if it's like a use and throw brand like compostable plastic things like that will be on the so you see how like nuanced sustainability is um, yeah yeah um, kind of want to bring this back to the topic of trends right and we talked about a look towards the future um should we talk about what we think is the biggest trend of yeah. 2023? I'm super excited. <laughs> this is uh, the most, I, I personally feel uh, the most important thing that people are not paying attention to. Maybe they have experienced it in one form or the other in their life, but uh, people are not really understanding the impact of it. Uh, what I, Let me ask you, what is the new trend? <laughs> Okay, the biggest trend starting now over the next couple of years to the next five years is almost an anti-trend. That's true. Right? That's right. Did I say that right? <laughs> That's right. It is almost like we. there are multiple names to it. Uh, Frog called it post-aspirational. Uh, some uh, uh, in fashion, BOF called it anti-curational. Some people call it authentic. But it's looking past that aspirational, like everything is perfect standard, kind of going back Mm. to all our LinkedIn conversations, you know, Mm. I just waiting to like kind of say this, like even then, but it's sort of like, stop being that aspirational person, be more candid, be, and this is manifesting in many ways. Mm. Um, Like, for example, like videos, do you know that Mr. Beast actually has like one of the best probably video producers but he intentionally keeps his videos like curates them to be more authentic and less edited and not a netflix show there is there is a sense of home video quality when you watch mr beast even though like he has all the money in the world to make like a yeah like you said like a netflix film yeah and it it also kind of goes back even in like college i I think again these again these are not something that happened like yesterday or in 2022 december let's let's actually let's actually give some examples so you know when we talk about anti-trend i want to start with also tiktok right Mm. um people the the amount of videos of just people taking up picking up the camera you know just straight out of bed talking about their morning routine unfiltered unedited just dropping that up and that blows up 
brands who have tried to craft their videos with the right transitions, the right color grading, the right mics and whatnot, those those ads are not converting as opposed to the ones that look like user-generated content, that look like just somebody's just caught up and recorded a video, just a raw, unfiltered, yeah. no color grading. To, exactly to what you're saying, I found this like really interesting uh, talk where they discuss that um, all the millennials or, you know, Gen X were all byproducts of like what was aspirational to them or like what was trendy for them, like, you know, big blockbusters and in terms of video, right? Yeah. Uh, Movie productions like Avatar, like, like VFX was up and coming, big budget movies, massive action. Uh, So that was kind of aspirational for them. So like, even if you go back a couple of, couple of years ago, like 2016, 2017, um, even music videos were high production, yeah. uh, you know, uh, so things like, but now they're becoming more candid, they're becoming like tight knit. It's probably happening in one room. Um, yeah. Short I, I almost, yeah, I almost want to say Beyonce's 7-Eleven, like music video started this trend, but it could not be uh, <laughs> of like anti-curational uh, trend. Yeah, I almost want to say like indie bands became too big. And when people look into indie bands, their initial videos were all just garage videos. Anti-cur- yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's and, the whole idea of like indie becoming so big as well now, like things like... Uh, uh, shoegaze and like other uh, you know alternative pop songs these these are very uh, smaller scale genres that yeah. want, that didn't have the prime time appeal but what has happened now is that was happening in a generation where movie editing was aspirational right you know like big movies were aspirational in terms of video content but our generation like gen uh, gen z especially have grown up in the age of youtube uh, I'd say to an extent, uh, like wines or, you know, like more informal videos where people were making like quick memes and things like that. All the content they were interacting uh, from the get go were a bit unedited, very ho- homely. And, uh, you know, there was mm. not that much like finesse to the video editing. Uh, so like now they're sort of coming in a couple of years and half of Gen Z is already into their prime spending years uh, and they're trying to find and look for brands that kind of fill that, uh, like match that voice of, you know, post-aspirational, like anti-curational content. And I think like on video, like, you know, people like Mr. Beast and like all the content creators on TikTok and Reels are killing it because they're just being authentic. They're not like putting way too much effort into it. Yeah, Uh, it's it's relatable. It's relatable, right? When you see that, hey, I could also do this. Um, it's a fact that the most watched videos on YouTube are reaction videos. For some reason, like people want authentic reactions and they Dude, like I, watching. People. I always <laughs> stop at a reaction video. I know that person's going to give like the most like stock expression reaction, but something just makes me want to be like, okay, like what is he going to react? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and there's yeah. so much discovery happening because of that as well. Right. Like it's reaction videos is PR and it is an actual strategy. Like you can submit your videos to these guys and like songs mm-hmm. and music and what I've done that for my band, just like found uh, people who would react to it. And it's so weird. Cause it, there's an expected behavior, but you still want to know what he has to say. You know, like yeah. you said, there's still a stock version of like, yes, he's going to stop at this part. Yes, he's going to say something, you know, f- fun. So I have to see it. But you know what the content is like. You could, you could, here, yeah. the funny thing is, you could consume the content. But again, the stats show that the most watched content is actually somebody else watching the content. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Mr. Beast has a whole reaction channel uh, to his thing. Uh, So that's like really interesting. But that is in terms of like video, right? But in terms of say like branding or something like that, uh, Mm. or in terms of copywriting or marketing, like what are, what are you noticing? What are signals I'm, you're picking up that de- uh, form definitely definitely seeing brands become a lot more human. Uh, even like the big brands like Comcast and uh, uh, what's the uh, Verizon and and whatnot. Like these guys are trying to make more uh, relatable, fun content as opposed to big, flashy advertisements that really talk about their product. 
if you actually go on reels and tiktok you'll stumble upon across a lot of uh, bigger brands trying to mimic this new trend of anti curation trying to mm-hmm. actually put effort into looking like they didn't put in effort you know what i mean yeah 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 so they so you you'll also notice like so this actually started on twitter as well where i i want to say it was uh i don't know if it was burger king mcdonald's or wendy's one of these or like actually all of these had this whole beef around each other because their yeah. marketing guys were very authentic and very prompt in replying to people's comments and like each other yeah. and like pulling each other's leg and that we have never seen that before right um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. brands were very uptight with what their messaging is they always wanted it to be one way interaction which is we'll show you an ad or we'll show you a banner you're going to take in the information and then you come to us but now because you can comment on things you can react to things you can like things brands are trying to make their outreach as an interactive sort of play so the play here is like i want to be relatable i want to be conversational rather than here's a banner just one way information you react to it you do whatever with it what do you want or like you take that information and that's it let's look at some example brands that are doing it well in terms of this speak of marketing right i think our place the internet's most favorite fan they <laughs> uh, <laughs> like every uh, but um i think they have a really or even especially so a lot of skincare should we get a, should we should we give a bit of context our place is a pots and uh, pans brand and they're expanding into kitchenware altogether cookware altogether actually and mm-hmm. uh, it's it started by um a pakistani origin uh, lady who's uh, now built up a business solely during the covid time and it's doing a multi million in revenue and the whole uh, the, the pots and pans are they look nice but uh, what were you saying so you want to you, you wanted to get into their messaging right yeah 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 uh, you kind of pointed it out to me where um, you said uh, we were kind of scrolling through the website and you were like Dude, the the marketing is like so upfront and like so i don't want to say dumb down because it's really well done but it's very authentic i would say uh the way the messaging like i think the opening line is welcome to our place or something like that on the packaging and on their website that is it's got a different uh ring to it and vibe to it versus say you open a cuisine arts <laughs> 32 pack <laughs> <laughs> so, and is 64 pack dinner set 25% yeah, it, off <laughs> so you see those two brands and um, and you also look at the person around this brand it's sort of like this um like immigrant person who has come uh into her, her prime spending years and was not and a lot of these business people are building these brands are like hey we we are like in a prime spending years and we are not finding brands that fit our voice so i'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and make that one and that resulted in that authentic messaging and uh, also sort of informed the the way they curate their like pictures or how everything about it is very like that anti curational trend where it's not like a catalog uh, photo where it's like high budget pristine kitchens it's sort of like that informal affordable economical kitchen and the pans just mm. sitting <clears throat> nicely in it going from physical products to actual apps and stuff i've seen like interfaces uis uh people trying to break away from your standard you know like those boxed in layout there in fact when you see a lot of like creative studio websites um they are sort of letting go of the grid and really experimenting with sometimes 3d space like what if the images are floating or sometimes typography yeah. how it changes they're almost like giving you the option to like you want light mode or dark mode like that's a common thing that i've seen like where people are like yo we don't want to give you the most bland experience let's spice it up let's you yeah. click on it the color changes of the website like there's some interaction and feature I, i think with just in general like web being more powerful where you can load your custom fonts and like different kind of interaction into websites now that's really supporting in giving a voice i i wanted to give an example of a brand that's been making the rounds on like linkedin and awards is uh, moto m o t t o Uh, I hope I got that spelling right. Is it right. is it is it motto? Like just yeah, like motto. manifesto? Yeah. Oh, probably. 
Hello, model. Just made the Motorola. I think they're a visual design consultancy. They're into branding, um, you know, visual design, marketing. Um, and they have the exact same things you, it's like breaking the grid, anti-symmetrical, floating images, uh, even the images are like anti-curational and the message is like very upfront. It's not aspirational. It's not like, Hey, let's build a billion dollar brand together. It's more about people like, Hey, what can we do for the people uh, who are buying into your brand? What can we do for you as people again like it's not mm. client it's like what their you, their website says ideas worth rallying around trademark see, that's the thing they've trademarked see, like is that versus like if you pull up uh mckenzie is great i have no hate against mckenzie <laughs> mckenzie if you're hearing me hire me but i i think where, where whereas you go to a consultants like the big consultancies um their messaging is more uptight more f- formal as well uh and, and wait first i have y- to disable cookies on mckenzie's website so <laughs> uh yeah i i think just like look of their website is also <laughs> very to the grid and it's literally yeah. grid, their whole website yeah and I'm, I'm sure like they have their own brand values and everything and like a different clientele but it's the we are here to talk about what's resonating with the audience of now uh and um to also kind of add more context to like who the audience are now especially in us i saw this kroger ad uh, which uh, which aired this Christmas, but it 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 was basically like a mixed race uh, family kind of cooking together for th- Thanksgiving actually or Christmas. Uh, but it almost made me think um, a multi generational shift, like family dynamics are changing in the sense there's a second generation of like immigrant kids coming into their prime spending years, and what was aspirational before. For their parents is probably what is not like probably what is aspirational before uh like you know uh to be fair like there was not that much inclusivity in terms of like ad branding or like mm. even in skincare like only now you're yeah. seeing skincare coming up for um you know like brown skin or especially people uh, with like high pigmentation so there's this change in that consumer happening there like again like multicultural uh, what is aspirational before is not aspirational for them. So they're still in that finding what is aspirational for them. And I think in that moment of finding what's aspirational from, for them, like they're rebelling. So that's where this anti-trend is that thriving. So again, they are going to go find and build brands that are aspirational for them. And like, they're like, you know, like the next generation again, will go on to like rebel against that. Uh, yeah, and I, I just think you, that kind of completes the circle of like the people are changing. They are not seeing voices, so they're rebelling and brands are trying to cater to it. And they're figuring mm-hmm. out, hey, like, is this aspirational? Is this not? Uh, but yeah, I think I think a part of it also has to do with just younger entrepreneurs in general. Um, I think wasn't there a stat that most people who left their jobs in 2021 they did so to start their own business. Actually, 30%, 37% of the workers who resigned in the first half of 2021 did so to launch their business. And the point I'm trying to make is because these folks are smaller businesses, they understand that setting up a business today means that they have to be authentic. They have to be in social media. They have to be transparent. They have to make a better business than the ones they were a part of which means everything from wellness to inclusivity to, you know, cultural Mm -hmm. diversification, things like that. Um, It feels like because people speak this language, they understand what they want to build. They will go ahead and build it. And because more and more people are actually building it, uh, that then results into the message spreading louder and and clearer. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I feel over the last few years, we have seen a lot more openness in how companies are built in general right like everybody is giving you a behind the doors behind the scenes view of what it takes to build a company whether that's a one person company 10 person 10 person or like a studio studios have opened their doors to like um hey come look at us uh here's how we work so almost this open iteration and 
again, this was happening in a very niche, you know, like I'm a Telugu speaking native. So like I follow a couple of, you know, cute uh, content creators in like Andhra Pradesh and um, the, he just likes to talk about movies. Uh, and he hosted this show where he basically asks his followers to send in movie scripts. And I think like he's vaguely connected to like, he's not in the movie industries, but he has people like producers, line producers who work in the movie industry. And he'll get those guests to review the scripts, you know, sort mm. of helping his audience who are interested in film, like become filmmakers. And I've been following, I think this is like season two, like last time it just happened on a whim, like he decided to do it. And it, and this time he wanted to make it like more formal. And I think the first episode kind of bombed. Uh, mm. Like he planned it. He's yeah, like that's, that scripts. sounds like, that sounds a little close to home, buddy. and it bombed in the sense like people were not prepared like everyone coming on this thing were like oh I didn't know I was gonna get selected so I didn't and I and people in the comment section were like hey episode was not good and he was and he he made like a not a filler episode but a between the scenes sort of episodes let's name it that between the next episode and the previous episode where he's like Hey guys, this is what my intention was. Like, you guys are not giving me like good scripts. Like, you guys are going to stand in front of me. So it was very openly iterating. He was taking comments on like how to, um, people were like commenting like, hey, like you could have like this sort of process where you reach out to them before, send Zoom mm. links like this. This is what we follow in our company. And mm. they're iterating it. And the second episode, it just happened this morning. And it had like great, like, like really high viewership. Like I, I think when I was there, there were almost like a peak of 3000 people watching and that's like a mm, lot live for a U- yeah like a yeah. youtube live stream yeah and for a second that, episode yeah yeah and that is just really beautiful to see where like going back to your example that that iteration happened live taking feedback it sort of reminds me of this one thing i uh my professor told me in my retail class that uh more than brands that do it like that do their services really well people are more loyal to brands that accept their mistake and correct mm. it uh, yeah that makes sense that makes i would agree with that i i, I thought it's so many times when you deal with like customer service you're like man you're human let's speak human to human right like yeah there's yeah. a mistake that happened uh i'm not trying to scam you but <laughs> you're you're basically being a robot like why are you being a robot just just bro to bro like let's just figure this out man <laughs> yeah it there's a, there was another article where i read like i think in sweden or somewhere the supermarket is going back to opening in-person checkout counters for people who would like to chat Oh, yeah, yeah. And we are here building automatic, like, cashless <laughs> stores. <laughs> so, I, I I think there there is a certain value in that, you know, authentic connection between human, like, logos over characters, logos mm. over people, like, sorry, people. Wait, what do you, so wait, so what do, you, what do you mean by logos over characters? I, uh, sorry, characters over logos. Oh, yeah, the my other bad. way around. Uh, <laughs> The character was logos where you'd like to see authentic, relatable human emotion over a logo. Uh, mm. And mm. I think that's sort of why like creator economy is capturing this anti-curational trend really well. Because mm. they check all the boxes. They're authentic. Uh, most of them are building live iterating their brands. Mm. Uh, their content is anti-curational. Most of the stuff happens it on a, on a whim. Like probably if you're obviously having a dance TikTok account, you need to practice. But you're kind of doing, hey, like I thought this is cool, and I was I'll just practice it, try it out, put it in the world. Zero, yeah, like, I zero effort. Dude, I I want to give an example <laughs> here, which is a brand called Leaf, which are doing TikTok marketing. They actually make razors. Uh, their razors aren't like the biggest invention in the world it's only an all metal razor the content they're making is going viral every video they make hits hundreds of thousands of views and you know what the content is they actually took like one of those uh, mortal pestle things one of those containers where they put shaving foam in it and they started to create foam out of it and then started like literally did it for the next 30 seconds to a minute while they talked about their brand, what they're building at Leaf or what, mm-hmm. what their uh, founder 
how it how it came about so the video content is this like sort of very cringy but also you can't stop watching like how much foam will there be <laughs> at the end of it yeah and yeah. then they're putting the story to it i think like at the end of at the end of the day that's what anti curational is um it's like cringe yeah it's mm. sort of like our maximalism phase like our generation's maximalism phase but we are like again they were you know like big the uh, big hype around like y2k maximalism coming mm. back uh, but it didn't like we created our own weird tasteful way of like curating maximalism cringe and accurational content if that makes sense mm yeah totally oh, do you so we also hinted a little bit on inclusivity and wellness that plays very well with just being authentic and showing your character um yesterday we talked about just anti dark pattern being one of the things uh yeah. talk about that a little bit in terms of like apps and things right like apps are being more passive it's like how hardware has disappeared into the background now i think apps are trying to do the same mm. uh, and that what does that require is not getting your attention or not having you on the app i think be real is a good example uh where it's sort of that anti dark pattern just post once they're not really t- like uh and with you once a day once a week what yeah like once a day like every 24 hours like that's it and um, and even the way you take a picture is like timed and you can actually see how many times like you can retaken uh, stuff so there mm. it's there all those are signifiers like encouraging you to be your most authentic self they're not trying to like hook you on to and again how be real monetizes its business like they haven't mo- started monetizing it it's like a different story but it's just one app like doing it dark patterns right the other day i came across this whole library of um apps that are being built on anti dark patterns which are like less engagement seeking and these were not entire apps but these are just like library of apps where like part of their app they're trying something different mm. uh, and so those are the anti uh, dark patterns i was talking about do you feel like your standard typical consumer realizes this like when they see an offering like be you they're like yes this is going to allow me to spend less time on the phone more time doing things in real world <laughs> um i think um no because every for example the other day i seen this video where uh this like content creator was talking about how his kids were telling him not to edit the photos just mm. keep it casual like dad don't edit it don't put filters we don't like yeah. it and that person is not that kid is was not telling because it was like cool or because he noticed he just said like hey my friends don't like it yeah sort of like this collective like again social contract yeah their uh, surround and, in their surrounding basically no one's doing it yeah so and th- so they're not actively or consciously acknowledging that uh and but when they do find products uh where they feel comfortable with with the same character or aspirations they have that's when they buy into the product because they're i i think it's it it's hard to tell like hey is that what is that what makes you buy into an app or a product uh because most of like a lot of apps have like first time subscribers peak and like they retain only few uh so we can't really tell if it's the marketing or a product or something like that but the people who do stay or like make it popular like how facebook became popular because co- like connecting was like a huge thing mm. uh and i think like be real that unauthentic unauthentic friend is like a huge like it's literally called be real <laughs> like the name <laughs> itself like speaks to the biggest trend we are talking about uh yeah um i feel like in authenticity or uh the whole idea of being edited is kind of going away in general right mm-hmm. it feels like linkedin would probably be the last place where that happens but uh <laughs> speaking of like how trends trickle down to other fields let's talk about our field right as an exercise for today yeah uh, i want to talk about four predictions uh of trends 
that we think are going to take off this year over the next two to three years in industrial design. For sure. Uh, do, you, do you want to start? Cool. Yeah, I can start. It kind of what we were talking about, about building in open and having more exposure to the behind the scenes of building things. I feel the biggest trend we're going to see is how ID people showcase their process. I feel like we're going to see a lot more of behind the scenes work, whether that's setting up new businesses or whether that's doing client work, there will be more authenticity in showing work. There's, there's of course, going to be like beautiful imagery because generally designers have good visuals. But, but they're going to be curated. Be, there's going to be more, let's say, um, more answers. Okay. Or, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it yeah. feels like when you look at design work, when you look at consultancy work, like even McKinsey, you don't know how they really work, right? Like if I were to really explain to you, it's, it is a lot to explain. And when it actually put visuals, it just feels like I'm not even breaking yeah. half of that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel there's going to be a lot more authenticity in the, in the way we show our stuff. It's still going to be curated in the, in the terms of like visuals and renderings or whatnot, but there's going to be a lot more information being in the open. I think that goes in parallel with my thought that more and more people will start their own industrial design practices and they will rely on their community to sort of uh, bring their name up. Uh, yeah. It kind of goes back to how many companies are now have to do social media because that's how they spread the word and spread the message and, you know, you know, excite potential hires and whatnot. So that's one big one for me. Um, I'm going to let you do point two and then we'll look at two more. Yeah, I think the biggest one I'm seeing is now that eco-warriors have become, you know, casual climate routinists. A lot of brands are looking for alternative uh, ways of including like sustain like real sustainable materials. But there's actually a razor like brand which has like 100% biodegradable materials, like how they build their razors. Not, the name's not coming to my head. Uh, but there are also like studios, like ID studios specifically sort of spearheading this, uh, like I know there's one called Prowl here uh, in San Francisco, there's Abau in Sweden and uh, Maroma in London. I think uh, like Abau is building its own repository of uh, like a R&D repository of like material innovation and Maroma has done like packaging for Wagamama based on sustainability. Um, and I think like, in fact, like even layer to an extent has shown like sustainable packaging and like it's recent psychedelic, uh, packaging exercise. Uh, so because now it, the, the trend of sustainability has kind of reached its early majority, uh, phase, uh, people are trying to incorporate it more, mm -hmm. uh, and like authentically, uh, so you're not really troubling that you're giving what uh, you're showing cool um and i'm excited about that i think that's a new venue for industrial designers to explore all together i hope the the life cycle of a product is a big sort of talking point now when we talk about materials and long-term sustainability um point number three on a very different tangent kind of related to the business of design is it's almost a prediction at this point but i think monthly pricing for designers is going to be a thing and for design studios what that means is you subscribe to a design studio mm. and every month you get certain hours of work delivered to you um the reason i say that it's going to become a common practice in industrial design is there's three reasons to it one because of the recent layoffs and recent uncertainty in um, economics and finance um uh, a lot of people would be looking to streamline their uh, projections and streamline the expected business over the next months. The best way to do that is to work on these retainer models. And retainers have existed throughout. Um, so that's that's one where I think people would want more uh, stability in estimating their income. Mm -hmm. uh, second, I think this model is already being practiced by web developers and graphic designers and content artists or like content creators who would, you know, give you a certain number of Instagram posts or blogs over the next few weeks or months, whatever. Um, one of the examples for that very, um, uh, that sort of model is from somebody on Twitter named Brett from DJ. He, um, 
he started his own creative agency and he has this pricing model where there's different tiers you can pay them a certain amount for your base tier uh, and so on and over the last the, the reason i think bringing this is important is it wasn't a big deal until he posted his revenue which was upwards of 1.5 million uh oh, in damn. annual recurring revenue for the last year so like it seems like a very successful model of course Brett, you are you hiring id designer <laughs> hey bread from bija give us a shout um so i think more and more people are going to be exposed to this sort of plan and i think it trickles from your uh, web designers to graphic designers and then it goes to uh industrial design which is a very slow moving industry uh and the last reason for this whole shift i think you'll have bigger leverage and i in the sense that if you know this is what you're going to charge you know the kind of talent you can hire and you know the kind of clients you want to work with right yeah. there's going to be less uh play of power here where yeah uh, you know a big client is going to just say that hey just uh, we have a big submission uh let's just uh, do a push over the next week so your designers have to work extra hours none of that cuz you let your terms be really clear in the subscription so yeah that's uh, that's, that's my th- yeah like it almost i i think that's like a very well suited model for um for is like the visual design side of things like i can see because you know content is king now whether it's a netflix show whether it's a blockbuster movie or your instagram feed like you need to have good authentic relatable content but um it sort of leads me to like my prediction it's like a mix of few things we've spoken before is like the these bunch of people who've resigned in 2021 who are building their own brands creator economy is at its peak uh people are iterating in open uh so there's this whole crop of like boutique brands coming up uh and i'm almost curious to see like how like id can tack like how can industrial design take advantage of that and i know like and there's a studio called enlisted in san francisco doing that where they're building for creator uh, economy brands like their branding and things like that so almost makes me want to think that which a lot of studios are doing already but uh, id would kind of need to not only end at hardware but probably like start with the brand and intent purpose uh and yeah. then let that inform your product packaging so i think uh, if you're an industrial designer right now learn how like what makes a brand tick learn uh, about human behavior and brands and you know or listen to this episode about the biggest trend and <laughs> but i think you need to extend your offering beyond like hey here's a ha- hardware product but build a story around it uh, hard, it hard, yeah. yeah how it relates it to were, people and exactly yeah. like if it were in a brand how would it be if but if it's all if it should be in a brand that already has a product line how would it fit in uh mm-hmm. while still maintaining its authenticity uh so i think uh, that's what i'm seeing for industrial designers or studios is going beyond product thinking about the story and brand and visuals yeah i do you think do you think you'd be bold enough to say that brand would almost be a given if you were to start an industrial design studio tomorrow yeah i i think it's a given that like id uh, designers need to like think about brand um, because uh, us it's sort of in its prime state where it's sort of this aspirational economy so people are looking for like higher meaning uh, and better engagement through brands which is more human and emotional uh, like again character over logos uh, so they're looking for a good relatable messaging differentiating yourself would be key because technology is only now facing almost like peak this is my intuition <laughs> very bro sciency <laughs> but it doesn't feel like we have made that many technical advancements in the last yeah, couple of years there was a news article where i read we are sort of like hitting a bottleneck on like how many transistor chips we can put on mm. like a chip so um that that is kind of true uh I, i think like yeah where tech in terms of design is saturated your brand and storytelling is what's going to make the difference yeah and id people can use these brand guidelines to like 
translate it into product features or like interaction like the many ways you can interpret it um like if your brand is all about relatability or something like that yeah. they could look into like cmf but again you need to like understand how to make an engaging brand to like yeah. even build those brand principles so that's why i think it's like really important for id people to learn about brand in this economy agreed agreed 100% Uh, so these are the trends that we think are going to be really important for industrial design uh, from here on out. We're going to talk about four trends or ideas that we absolutely hate. Uh, things that we wish did not exist or did not become a trend. Yeah. Um, I'll say one. It's the most nerdy or, you know, like, uh, so I'll get that out of the way, which is like voice user interface. uh and um the research has just figured out that it's like very intensive to use voice to interact so you actually need to try to because they thought like everyone's just going to be walking around the house like talking to siri whether it's the kitchen <laughs> bathroom bedroom but it's actually uh, it's a huge cognitive load uh, for a person but that's the nerdy trend that let's push that out what are you hating or like uh... what are you seeing fading out <laughs> Similarly NFTs man the the one thing that's taken the world by by a storm over the last 2 years just uh I cannot wrap my head around the technical benefit of having a jpeg to your name versus an actual physical art piece uh and looking at how crypto has pretty much tanked over the last 6 months uh and knowing that we are hitting recession i do not know in what world an nft asset is exciting this this, <laughs> this is my um i don't know if i was born in a generation which was not exposed early on to vr but i hate vr and uh, <laughs> there were two things that happened the metaverse didn't take off it's still very meta people don't know what it is uh but surprisingly there was rise of mixed reality content while vr was not taking off so that was like really interesting uh the reason i said i'm old school is that, like really not a big fan of like a headset covering my experience um i think xr is the way to go but VR didn't take off. What are your thoughts? I have to agree. <laughs> I would say that I was anti VR from the start, and there was a point where I thought, hmm, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's okay. Maybe I can look dumb for a bit to actual to actually be immersed. Because to me, it was more about like, shit, man. I'm really gonna look dumb if I wear this box on my head, and then I'm trying to balance myself over like some. hypothetical yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like i found the act of doing it very cringy but um, i feel like when i tried it a few times um a i get dizzy but that's like a personal problem second i i do feel like the resolution the technology the the actual content itself doesn't live up to the true potential of I it agree. that's where yeah. you you mention xr which is very interesting because that's where i think bridging your real world with uh a layer of uh, information yeah, I, th- i think that's more interesting and both of us have tried like i've tried the oculus quest and you've tried the pro uh and even pro was i think is a step in the right direction which is like mixed reality yeah uh, and it's and, completely wireless so you can literally walk out yeah. and have things projected in exactly. your garage or whatever uh so if you are building vr headsets out there i would say don't <laughs> unless there's a real <laughs> genuine reason for it <laughs> but um, um have you seen the new uh, HTC Vive headset yeah it was pretty interesting i was watching yeah. the designer actually dropped into uh, marcus brownley studio and he was explaining mm-hmm. like why they removed the top strap here is because a lot of women were not finding like it just doesn't sit well in a lot of like women's head because of the hair or especially mm-hmm. like people with an afro or something like that or with a ponytail as well yeah like that's why they went for the sunglass design it was a really interesting conversation but uh, i'm excited to see if it's yeah, better than it's, the quest pro it looks way better than what i would expect from htc yeah and apparently it's like pretty light uh, very yeah very lighter it's than uh, good reviews around ces all around like people were excited about the new headset yeah. um we have one more left and i think that's in your wheelhouse 
Yeah, this one um, again attend. I'm really that didn't take off and not a big fan of is skeuomorphism. Uh, what people is skeuomorphism? People were going bad shit. It's basically when you uh, when your UI buttons like signifiers and affordances uh, mimic signifiers and affordances. Like a good example is like say if you you represent a light with a switch, like in yeah. the real world, you're trying if there is a switch. interaction you need in your app whether it's for an actual switch or for in for something else for turning a page you literally like uh try to like mimic that but it's also like mm. a very 3d like embossed look oh, right. so it <laughs> might not need to mimic the real yeah. inter- signifier and mm. affordance but it's sort of like this embossed look of like but like very touchy feely buttons uh and it's not great did you so, ever have those apps where I, there like i had a i touch ipod touch and i would have this lighter app where oh, you press the button there like and then uh, the motion would enable the flame to move around and also there yeah. i had this like uh, uh water dripping or like a beer beer opening yeah. app like where you just open the bottle and then, then you like this is the whole during the tom the cat era <laughs> <laughs> that's all apps were honestly they were more plain and simple yeah. you play around with them for 15 minutes you get bored but now i'm 24/7 on my reels someone <laughs> needs to drag me out of my room <laughs> so yeah uh i i think that sort of like ends the and ends the trends that we hate the biggest shift that we have seen in this year like or building up towards this year that is the anti trend and the most important part of the podcast what do we name it what do we name this podcast man i love this exercise this is the most interesting part of the podcast um the trend that never was supposed to be or something like that uh, yeah I I think this is a very Harvard Business Review title. The biggest trend is anti-trend or like a past No, I think we shouldn't reveal what the biggest trend is because then Yeah, probably like the biggest trend brand. So the biggest